listen for the word of God. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a cleaning cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for the tons, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. How many of you have heard this passage read at a funeral, excuse me, At a wedding? How many of you think it's referring to romantic love? It's actually not. The church at Corinth was a gifted church. If you look at chapter 12, which we looked at last week, they're filled with spiritual gifts. This is a church that just abides in the gifts of the Spirit. The problem was is that they didn't value each other's gifts. My gifts are awesome, but your gifts, who cares? And so the church was split, and they were taking sides, and they were, yeah. And so Paul has this great thing about the body, that we're all part of the body, and all of the spiritual gifts are given for the benefit of the body, and we're all different parts. And it's, it's this beautiful passage. And then at the very last verse of chapter 12, Paul says this, let me show you a more excellent way. And you've probably heard this passage from 1 Corinthians 13 and from the New Revised Standard Version or similar, because those are good translations. But I want to read this to you again, because usually when you hear this, people start checking out because they know it so well. This comes from Eugene Patterson, Peterson, uh, the message. This is a paraphrase. Normally, I don't do paraphrases in church, but this one is worth hearing. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. 
Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will come to an end someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompleteness will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly just as He knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. There's a part in here that I just love is we see through a glass darkly. We don't see things as a whole. We see only pieces. We see fragments, and we operate from that fragmented view. And I want to quote my favorite theologian, and I don't want to get too technical, but when I refer to my favorite theologian and the greatest theologian of our times, I'm talking, of course, of Yogi Berra. (laughs) And Yogi Berra said, the problem in life isn't the things we don't know. The problem in lives are the things we're so sure of that just ain't so. We can be so sure. If you look at our political land field today, and I do think it's a land field, It's filled with people who are absolutely convinced that they see things clearly, that they have the answers, and they see only a portion of what is really going on. And the promise of Corinthians is that eventually when God comes and we're complete, we will see as God sees us. We will love as God loves us. There is a Chinese proverb that I want to share with you that kind of gets at the heart of this. A farmer relied on a horse. This horse did everything for him. It plowed his fields. It took his crops to market. It took him to neighboring communities when he needed to. And a bee stung the horse, and the horse ran away. The farmer looked for the horse for many days, but came back dejected and couldn't find it. And the neighbor said, bad luck, your horse ran away. And the farmer says, bad luck, good luck, who can say? A week later, that horse returns with 12 wild horses with it. And the farmer was able to capture all of those horses, and it was a boon to his family. And the neighbor showed up and said, what good fortune, what good luck you have. And the farmer says, good luck, bad luck, who can say? The following week, when his son is trying to break the horses because they're more valuable when they're broken because then they can plow the fields, He gets thrown and breaks his leg in three places. The neighbors show up and said, oh, terrible news, terrible luck. Your son breaks his leg in three places, and now he can't even walk. 
And the farmer says, bad luck, good luck, who can say? A month later, the army comes in to conscript everyone under the age of 50 to go to war for the emperor. Because he had broken his leg in three places, he was not conscripted. Everyone from that village that was conscripted died. Bad luck, good luck, who can say? We look at things and we think, oh, I understand. Oh, my God, that's great. Oh, my heavens, that's horrible. And we only see through a glass darkly. We see dimly. We see as if we're looking in a mirror through a reflection. We don't see the whole. One of my favorite theologians, who is actually a theologian, uh, Richard Rohr, talks about if we could see one another as God sees us, we would love everybody because we see a peace and God sees the whole of us and because God sees the whole of us, God can love us completely, without measure, without reservation. And we live in a world where we can't see with the eyes of God, we can't walk with the feet of God, we can't touch one another with the hands of God the way God does. But we are given the opportunity to act in love until that time when we see completeness, when we see things as Christ sees us, as we see things as they are, we are called to act always, always in love. And if we can do that, good luck, bad luck, who can say? Amen.